from 1011 Now and the 1011 Studios in Lincoln, Nebraska. Jack West to the 35, nice move, 40, 45, 50, 45, 40, run, big fella, 30, 25, 20, stiff army to guide. It's not making Mike Rozier right now. He had one good game. Um, he's, he's still got a lot of, he, he can still really improve, and he's a lot quicker at, at 232 than he is 258. This is the End Report Podcast. Does Chenander dial up pressure? Here comes a blitz. He's drilled. Joe, Joe, Joman. The schedule certainly doesn't going to get easier. Um, we got a bunch of ranked teams and elite teams uh, down the stretch. So we're going to have to keep playing well. We're going to have to improve from what we did tonight. Welcome into a feeling good Monday here on the End Report Podcast. I'm Bill Shammer, joined by Eddie Messel and Kevin Suits. Kevin, I'm not sure if you heard me from row 69 in North Stadium, but that sound was me chugging Kool-Aid. I was going to ask, how, did it, how does it taste, Bill? I mean, it feels good. I'm sure it you know, does. I, Mondays are just better when you're coming off a day like that. And a day like that hasn't happened for Nebraska football in a long time. The Kool-Aid went down pretty smooth on Saturday, didn't it? I mean, oh, it, just, yeah. it was flowing all throughout the stadium. No, like, to your point of... It hasn't felt like that in a while. I don't know the last time this fan base has felt this way based on a, a Saturday night experience, performance by the team, and the overall experience. I think that was a big part of it. Yeah, the team played well, and it was one of the more surprisingly dominant efforts out of a Nebraska football team. Yeah, they've beaten some non-conference opponents pretty handily over the past five to seven years, but I don't think I can't think of a time in which – it was a game that was maybe a toss-up or maybe expected to be a close game, and they just ran away with it. It's been a long time, and I think that a lot of folks were leaving Memorial Stadium on Saturday night or clicking off the TV and saying, that was a blast. I don't know that the last time we've had it. I'd, I'd maybe go back to the mid-Bo Pelini era to say that there was a moment or a moments in time in which fans were saying like this is awesome we are all in we're a lot of really people good. are bringing up maryland in 2018 but i go at further the end back of the season nebraska didn't really have anything to play for no i think you have to go back to yeah maybe 2013 2014 if anything maybe the win over michigan state under mike right. riley because that was a team uh, a top 10 opponent that nebraska beat at home and this scene was pretty electric at Memorial Stadium. But overall, I mean, that was just a moment at the end of the game which spilled into the night. This Northwestern game was a moment at the beginning of the game which allowed for three hours of a lot of fun inside Memorial Stadium which carried into the night. Eddie, if I would have told you that Nebraska was going to beat Northwestern 56-7, to you would have called me a crazy person, probably. I definitely probably would have, but I think I was. I, I think both of you thought it was going to be a somewhat closer game. I think I said thirty-one to twenty-four, and I mean we were all obviously completely off. I mean they just from the jump. I'm that was a team that I think everyone's been waiting to see that potential that's just been like untapped. You know, like we keep talking about that. They keep saying we're right here, and that was the game where it finally felt like you don't know if it was frustration from the past two weeks or just from you know those close games, but. They let Northwestern have it from the jump, and it was fun to watch. It was it was the most fun that I've had in my short period of time here in Nebraska so far watching the Nebraska football game because they just looked – they were clicking on all cylinders and just firing away, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Eddie went right to the offensive side of the ball. Let's start there. The I mean, the first play of the game. 
Should have been an interception, frankly. Samar Ture made a play. He made a play. And Adrian Martinez st- threw a ball that, you know, he trusted his receiver. It wasn't perfect. He said, I trust Samar Ture is going to go get this, and he went and got it. There were two defenders in the area, and that's why I say it could have been an interception. But, hey, you know what? They stretched the field on the opening play from scrimmage. And it set the tone for the entire game. A few plays later, Nebraska is into the end zone. The offense, we speak of a pass first, which is ironic because it was really the running game that was so effective for Nebraska against Northwestern. They made some changes up front, which provided some new results along the offensive line. The penalties were down, and the push off of the ball was so much better. And, you know, Nuri Nuili. He's from Germany, foreign exchange student. We've tried saying that name about, oh, a handful of times because he played at Norris, and we had to learn it when he was playing in high school. But Nuri steps in at left guard, and they go young. They go with Teddy Prohaska at left tackle. And we had a sense during pregame warm-ups Prohaska was going to get the start, his first of his career, because he was repping with the first-string unit. And we knew that left tackle was a position in which they were maybe going to make a change. So... Uh, those two guys did a great job. The push up front was pretty good. And it's hard to say, you know, is Northwestern's defensive line that much of a uh, drop-off in terms of talent level than Nebraska's offensive line? I just think these guys played really, really well. There was an entire new left side of the line because you moved Corcoran over to right tackle. Then you put Prohaska at left tackle, Nuelli at left guard. And then, of course, you had Cam Jurgens and Sichterman and clearly that was the best the offensive line has looked all year. They rushed for 427 yards, and the offensive line got a lot of praise on Monday. I feel really confident in Coach Austin and his ability to get those guys ready. Um, they've been working their tails off, you know, and they, they have work to do like we all do. And they're continuing to gain everyone's trust, but uh, Saturday was a great step, and obviously today's practice was as well. Uh, we came off the ball better. Our, our pad level was better. Uh, when we can generate run, a lot of other things are going to work. I thought Teddy and Nuri both did a really good job, uh, particularly with that, you know, getting some movement on three techniques and one techniques and getting runs started. Um, thought the right side did too, but the left side played really well. And I'm going to be honest, I was kind of skeptical just because there's a new line. You know, like there's a lot of times you don't get those game reps with those guys, so you never know how it's going to work out. But I think they stepped in there and did awesome. Um, it was kind of kind of weird, to, not with Ben Hart in there, because you look over. That's Ben Hart's one of the only guys I got to look up to to talk to, and it was kind of weird talking to Teddy. Like, oh, you're even taller. So, six nine, Teddy Prohaska. We're talking about a kid here, Kevin. We're talking about somebody who was playing high school football in Omaha, Nebraska last year. He's a big guy, though. And I think that this coaching staff is willing to take some lumps. You know, starting a, a freshman along the offensive line, you know, so it's a little bit more common to have a freshman maybe play a skill position because they're operating in space. Not to say it's easy, but you can maybe get away with a few more things if you're in the slot. And not just offensive line, arguably the most important offensive line position for a right-handed quarterback. And that's where, where I was going with this is, you know, it's so hard to start along the line because you are physically – next to somebody every single play and if you're undersized you're just not going to play and Teddy's not undersized but he's not overmatched if that makes any sense he's able to hold his own even though he's only had you know less than a year in Nebraska strength and conditioning program so his upside is tremendous I thought he did a really nice job 
at the left tackle position. And overall, those guys were firing off the ball. And two of the plays that really strike me in terms of the offensive line's production on Saturday were the one-yard touchdown runs by Adrian Martinez. You know, a one-yard touchdown run, sometimes it gets stuffed. It's not uncommon in college football for that to happen. But Nebraska had first down inside the two. They scored both times. Adrian Martinez's jersey was pretty much clean at the end of the night. Again, Eddie, 427 yards rushing. They've talked all season about wanting to establish the downhill run game. What did you see from your perspective? I thought they did just that, and it was fun to see a guy like Yant get in there. And, I mean, he's a bigger back, I think, than the rest of that group. I mean, I know there's been some injuries. You know, Gabe Irvin obviously probably out the rest of the year, so it's like, you know, been some injuries, but overall the run game looked great. And I think if they can continue to do that, they're going to be super fun to watch. Again, you got, I think right now, it's been weird to say because they've changed it up so many different times. And we, we thought Marquis Stepp was going to be the guy after the Fordham game. That wasn't the case. So now, you know, Yant and Ramir Johnson seem to, to be the guy. So we don't know exactly who's going to do it yet. But I, if Yant can continue to run like that, I mean, he is fun to watch. But I know in the beginning of the show we had, you know, that big run that he broke off for. And he just... I mean, the stiff arms he was throwing down on people, you know, they just looked that run game. And then on top of the offensive line, giving them that space to run. I know Yank gave a lot of credit to that offensive line um, in the post-conference after the game. But uh, the run game looked great. And if you can run for that many yards, it's, you're going to be tough to beat. And it opens things up uh, in the past game, I think, for them as well. Yeah, had 13 carries for 127 yards. I'm upset that it took us six minutes into the podcast to start talking about the Yant man. He was pretty good, huh? The Yant Man. I like that. You just wanted to use the phrase Yant Man. I mean, I I don't think I'm real original in that one. But, I mean, listen, there's a lot of times when you're watching a running back, and within the first four or five snaps of their college career, you can kind of say, this guy might have something, or I don't know. Within the first four or five snaps of Jacquez Yant's college career, I was like, this guy might have something. Well, he did play in the previous games. Five carries in the first five games for 25 yards. The match figures out to be nothing too spectacular. But he popped the big one early in the Northwestern game. And I was shocked just to see him back there. We know that it's been open competition at the running back room. and we You're a little plugged in, and you were shocked. Absolutely. Especially because we're at the point of the season that it seems to be leaning Ramir Johnson's way. And he's done a nice job over the past couple of weeks. So Gabe Irvin was in the lead. Marquis Stepp kind of had his day. Ramir Johnson's been the steady force over the past few games. So you feel like you're kind of zoning in on what's happening in the I-back room. Then all of a sudden, they throw Jock back there, and he busts a 64-yard run. And you think of Yant, a dude who's 238, to be a between-the-tackles kind of runner, right? Well, he got outside. And he looked really good in space. He looked good in space. He had a stiff arm that gave him some space. And, you know, he looked really nice. And that's where, again, there's a novelty that went along with Nebraska's win at Northwestern because of the replacements along the offensive line and what happened at the running back position. And though Yant had a really nice game, Ramir Johnson still found the end zone twice. So it's like we see that there are some – reinforcements in some key roles for Nebraska. But if we can see more of Jacquez Yant for the Huskers, I know fans want to see more of him just because it's a different body. Mm-hmm. It's a different dimension to the offense that he can provide. Ramir Johnson, 12 carries for 74 yards, two touchdowns. That's more than six yards a carry. I mean, okay, so Jacquez Yant, 
I want to go back to the beginning of this season. We've seen Gabe Irvin, Marquis Stepp, Sevion Morrison, Ramir Johnson, Brody Belt, Brody Belt, Jacquez Yan. I mean, we're talking about somebody that, after the first day of fall camp, who, you know, according to Scott Frost, he showed up about 25 pounds overweight, was the sixth string running back. Ish, ish. Yeah, but, I mean, for him to get his time, he would have been sixth in line. But remember during the spring game, Bill, everybody first got their eyes on Jacquez Yant during the spring game. Like, who is this guy? Let's, let's put him into the offense. And there was some hope in the summer months that maybe he would be the lead guy at the running back position. But as fall camp went on, we, you know, even the day that the media got to talk to the running backs for the first time, they brought out three guys that were playing running back. Marquis Stepp. Gabe Irvin, and Sevian Morrison. Notice who's omitted there? Yant wasn't a part of it. And it seems, now looking back on it, that Yant was pretty far off the grid when it came to the IBAC competition. Scott Frost said before the season even began, he wanted to have an identified number one running back. And then the season started, and it was three. Even before the season, it was kind of a four-person race. Then it became a three-person competition. As the season has progressed, it's been a revolving door. I still think they want to try to settle on one guy, and perhaps it'll be Yant. We'll just have to wait and see how the Huskers want to utilize him. It seems like it's pretty simple. It came down to him shedding some weight, getting in the playbook, and then maximizing an opportunity in which he did on Saturday. And Coach Frost said again Monday that, you know, he reiterated that he really likes what Ramir Johnson has done, but was quick to say, and we'll also see what Yant can continue to do, He's at least solidified to me that number two position. Yes, that's what Scott said. But he said the same thing about Teddy Prohaska. He said the same thing about Nuri. He doesn't want to heap too much praise. He's not he, Mike Rozier. He, exactly. <laughs> you like that line. I think everybody did. Kind of got a chuckle. And, of course, it's a Nebraska reference in there as well. So, you know, I think Coach Frost is doing a nice job of navigating that space, of making sure you're praising these guys who are excelling or, or meeting expectations when they get an opportunity, but not embellishing and giving them too much praise that you could maybe lean into comfortability or arrogance. Let's talk about the offense as a whole. One thing that we've seen a little bit in the season is option football, and we saw a lot more of it on Saturday. Eddie, one of the, the coolest memories I have of Frost time at UCF is when uh, they, I think they were scouting for Navy and he played the scout team option quarterback to give UCF a look at, at what Navy was going to present. I mean, option is, it, Nebraska fans love to see it. It is a part of our history. What did you think about how they ran it on Saturday? I thought they ran it pretty well, and it's funny you bring up that. I think, you know, I remember being in school and that being a huge story at the time when Frost came in and did that, all the local papers and all that so it was he he loves the option i know it's something that's you know near and dear to him and it's like like you said i know me and bill rentschler when we're watching the games here at the studio on sundays he would love to see the option run all the time and it's something that i think they're they're running with success i know frost touched on and so is adrian that you know it was hard for him to kind of adjust to it but i feel like he's starting to really fit into that mold a little better i know even some of the backups who came in are running that option pretty well we got to see them come in and do it and Overall, they, they did it pretty well. I think it's confusing a lot of teams. I think even Adrian on the one, uh, you know, touchdown run that he got, the third and 10, he, he kind of 
faked the option, and that opened up a huge hole for him to get into the end zone on third and 10 on a play that they were probably just trying to get a couple yards uh, and maybe go for it on fourth down. So overall, I think they're running it really well, and if they continue it at this pace, I mean, I think it's going to give defenses some trouble. Kevin, that, uh, that fake pitch on that third and 10 where he ran untouched, Reminiscent you of like, great look at option you quarterbacks you like in Nebraska that. history. Um, but let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Coach Frost was asked today about the option and how well they're doing. He kind of chuckled and said, maybe a 6 out of 10 right now. Uh, well, he knows what 10 out of 10 option <laughs> football does. looks like. So, but but they've, they've done a nice job. A reporter made a really nice point on Monday, too, that when they're running the option, it's not always with the same guy receiving the pitch because they've done it with wide receivers. Samari Torre comes to mind, and they also do it with some of their Ibex. Um, so they're very multiple when it comes to running the option. It's not your standard triple option football. You know, this isn't 1995. And the other thing he said is now that they've had a little bit of success with it, that's what other teams have to prepare for. Right. They have to prepare for, you know, a 427-yard rushing game, a quarterback who can throw it for 300-plus, and now they have to prepare for a team that can – Six out of ten run the option. Right. It's just another wrinkle. And I think that, you know, if you really strip down this Northwestern game, as we kind of give our final thoughts on what happened on Saturday, they ran the ball between the tackles. They stretched the field passing. They hit intermediate passes. They were able to run some jet sweeps, and they ran the option. They did all of them successfully. By no means were they one-dimensional in any way, and that has been when Nebraska's offense tends to struggle, they tend to get a little one-dimensional, and it becomes a little too much on Adrian Martinez. He had all of his weapons at his disposal, and we should not neglect the fact that Oliver Martin came back for Nebraska. Xavier Betts was on the field for Nebraska. When they have all of their weapons, when the full arsenal is available, this offense can be pretty dangerous. And if you even look at some of the numbers for Nebraska, they rank among the national leaders in total yardage. You know, they're 11th in the country. In total offense. In yeah. total offense. 500 plus yards a game. Yeah, they're, they're doing a nice job. They had the game earlier this season where they had 300 rushing, 300 passing. So it's a multiple offense. It hasn't always worked, but we've seen multiple examples this season. When it does work, it can be highly efficient. And it's really important for this team, the 2021 Huskers, because you know one thing about the defense, they're going to keep you in games because they're doing a phenomenal job. And, and they did as well. They've allowed 17 points in three home games, seven to Fordham, three to Buffalo, seven Northwestern. Uh, I think a lot of people chuckled at the fact that this team had more confidence with a two and three record going into the Northwestern game than apparently they have had in the entire Scott Frost era because they knew as Coach Frost alluded to a couple weeks ago, you know, they believed this was a good team that had lost a couple of games when previously they had been a bad or average team that might have won a few games. I want to listen to what they had to say about confidence uh, here on Monday. The guys right now are really confident in where we're at, the type of team we have. And uh, um, to an extent, I believe we've earned that. You know, we have a lot of trust in each other, and we've worked really hard and know the, the things we're capable of as a team. So excited we got a lot of good teams on the schedule left. I think they see the formula now. They've prepared really well for several weeks in a row. Had one go our way Saturday in a big way. Um, no reason to change anything now. It's different, uh, you can say, especially playing at Nebraska. Uh, it's not like anywhere else, honestly. I've visited many places before, uh, you know, throughout the recruitment and everything else. But 
it, there's no place like Nebraska, uh, especially night games. And, you know, when you get a packed stadium every game, bro, that's unreal. Having success both sides of the ball early, um, that was that was a key, obviously, to kind of get off to a hot start. And, um, you know, seeing seeing the offense succeed, um, seeing your teammates succeed, that's all this work we put in together, everything we go through, um, you know, that's why we do it, is, is to have that success. And there's, a, there's no better feeling than that. I mean, yeah, we... Um, we kicked the crap out of a, a Big Ten West team, um, but so what? Now it's in the past. I mean, that's we won that game. Um, click the reset button again. Let's win this. Let's win this game. It's all about momentum. Having ninety thousand screaming for you, not against you, is definitely an advantage. So, just I mean, everything on the field is going to take care of itself. But like the energy in the whole stadium, we, it feeds off of itself. So that's going to be big time for us. That feeling I felt in the stadium on Memorial, I don't know if I've felt that ever in my time here. You know, it was a great surge of energy. The team, I think uh, the fans really approved and were excited about what they saw on the field from us. Um, and we, you know, oozed confidence as well on the sideline. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I think it's fair to say walking about a little bit, it's, it's felt really nice. Uh, right now, kind of feel like we're down to three two-game seasons. Uh, we got two more games here before bye week. Got to do the best we can, then we'll rest and recover, and we got two. Then we get another bye week and rest and recover, and we finish with two. Um, still got opportunity to do pretty special things this year, but we got some really good opponents starting with this one. Um, so we got to go compete, and then the guys don't have to be told the, the opportunity that's there for them. Before we get into Michigan next week, as we put a bow on Northwestern, be remiss if we didn't talk about Memorial Stadium on Saturday night and especially that moment between the third and fourth quarter the light show the fire well thunderstruck you've been to a lot of games at Memorial Stadium Kevin what you think about that it was unexpected and it was pretty awesome and I presume that they will do it again this week since it's another night game and uh, what they did is drawing such rave reviews however I don't know if it will be as exciting as it was this past Saturday because fans are now going to expect it. So many people that were inside the stadium had no idea that was coming. All of a sudden, there are four, I don't know if you want to call them pillars, but they just shot up giant flames into the air. Uh, each corner of each end zone. Yes, and it, it just happened. And I think at that point, it, that's the attention grabber. Everybody looked up like, what just happened? And then the lights are out, and then they start flickering the lights, you know, all kind of to the beat of the song Thunderstruck by ACDC. And then the ribbon boards, which wrap all around the stadium, they're red. And then they had the big scoreboards come on red. So now the field has a reddish tint to it. It was awesome. Some folks pulled out their cell phones and had the lights on them and it kind of added to it. And some of our video from that moment, Bill, it's pretty cool because Nicole Griffith was right behind the players bench with the camera and watching them take it all in. They're getting ready for the fourth quarter of a Big Ten football game, but they stopped to really enjoy it. And I think that that is a moment that was unexpected. It was enjoyable and it's pretty memorable. Folks are going to talk about that for a long time. The Huskers social media accounts have a, uh, a 3D camera view of what it was like from from midfield uh, that just pans around the entire stadium and it's incredible. This might be recency bias. Um, I've been to a few Husker games in my life. I cannot remember a moment like that 
a, where the stadium was so loud, the atmosphere was so electric. I mean, I might have to go to go back to Colorado and okay. Alex Henry kicking the field goal. Okay, so I'm going to stop you because I think we need to, to differentiate between that was a non-football moment, right? That was an experience moment. There have been football moments. I think of Tommy Armstrong's run against uh, Oregon a few years back. That got really loud. When Nebraska beat Miami at home, got really loud. Yes, I like your Alex Henry kick against Colorado. That, but those are all football moments. When was there a moment inside Memorial Stadium that was that loud, which was not the byproduct of something, something happening on the football field? And I don't know the answer to that. You know what my honest answer is? The Garth Brooks concert. And I wonder if the Garth Brooks concert had an effect on that happening Saturday night against they did Northwestern. Some, they did some fun things with the lights. They the did. Concert. And so when that happened, once the dust had settled and I kind of processed everything, I was wondering, did they take a couple of ideas that came in with the Garth Brooks crew and say, we can incorporate this into our Nebraska football game day experience. That word experience has been kind of a buzzword around North Stadium for the past few years. They know that they need to continue to make it a good experience because they want the sellout streak to continue. They want to continue to get a younger generation of fans inside the stadium. So they've made some changes. There have been some swings and misses, but that one was a grand slam that went 400 feet over the fence. It was amazing. Eddie, all I'll say is, is, is you missed out. But <laughs> I know you were watching on BTN, and, the, and they replayed a little bit of it. You, you've seen the light show from an from a observer who wasn't in the stadium. What would you think? Well, I got uh, – Kevin mentioned it. If, if anybody listening hasn't seen Nicole's video of her right there on the sidelines, it's great. That was, like, my way of kind of seeing it when she tweeted that out. So, I mean, it was – it really was electric, and it, it was one of those times where – you know, it reminded me of Scott Frost days of at you while I was at UCF in the bounce house and everyone's heard great things about the bounce house and before kickoff and, you know, they play, we play uh, whatever it is. And we're just, everyone's going nuts. And it, it was one of those things that made you feel like Nebraska fans have some sort of energy back. You know, there's like that earlier in the season, we talked about the same old movie that we've, that we've seen over and over again. And it felt like, as soon as that game started and then third quarter happened or end of the third quarter and they had that experience that that movie has kind of come to an end and it gave people some some hope that maybe a new movie is going to move forward you know so it was exciting and i hope hopefully you know they continue to do stuff like that and the experience continues because i think that's what everybody here in in the state of nebraska wants wants to happen you're not wrong kevin especially what trev alberts talked about on sports nightly last week i mean they are, are wanting to provide fans with an experience. And you kind of like what Eddie said, you know, the, the joke quote of the season has been, it's the same movie over and over. I would, I would go to that movie again. Oh, yeah, without question. And, and so, so we can shed some light to our listeners of the other things that they've tried. So on Saturday, for the first time, they had the players get off the buses, not right outside the stadium. They had about a two-block walk. They dropped them off by this new student tailgate area, which is outside the student union. So the players walked almost two blocks from where they were dropped off warm to up the for stadium. The uh, it was yeah, sure, and they're wearing suits. That's something that had not happened since 1971. So two new things. You want to know something else that was new that I thought made Saturday night pretty special? Were you there for the national anthem? I was. Scotty McCreary sang it. Did yeah. you know Nebraska has not had somebody other than the pep band play the national anthem before a Nebraska football game in over a decade? That was new. 
There are so many little things that they're trying. And McCreary, by the way, nailed it. It was oh, so it was, good. It was awesome. It was, it was great. And he's wearing the Husker shirt out there. And uh, I think a country western artist isn't a bad play when you're, play, when you're singing at the national anthem at a Nebraska football game. Uh, so they're they're doing different things. There are going to be some misses, like two block walk. I don't know how how effective that was, um, but like the national anthem switch up, love it. The thing that happened in between the third and fourth quarters, love it. And I think some folks were maybe wondering what was going to happen because the song uh, I don't know it. You might the the Irish kind of tone song that everybody Cornhusker by uh, the Killigans. Yeah, thank I, you. I, I like it. Okay. But just in the in the third to fourth quarter moment where you're really trying to rev a team up, it just doesn't jive, you know, in that area. It's kind of happy. It's right. not intense. It's just kind of happy. And they still played it between the first and the second quarter. And that's what I was going to say. They moved it, so it's like, oh, that's a little bit out of routine for what they typically do on game days, which allowed the big moment to happen between the third and fourth quarter. All right, let's move on to the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, of course, uh, coached by Jim Harbaugh. Uh, they are number nine in the coaches' poll. They are number nine in the AP poll, number eight in the coaches' poll. And uh, the Nebraska Cornhuskers, I think they have a pretty good idea about what they're getting themselves into, uh, but they're not thinking back to three years ago. Three years ago is out of their mind. 56 to 10 in the big house. I was there. You were there. That was a different team. Different teams. Uh, we're in a, a much different spot as a program, as, as a unit, um, both sides of the ball here. And, uh, yeah, we were physically outmatched. Back when we played in my, fr my freshman year, uh, one of the linebackers, you know, spoke out about our, you know, our team and said we weren't prepared. Um, and we, we have to come prepared this time. We don't need any ifs, ands, or buts about it. Come out and play your best football. And we are more physical than we've ever been. Obviously, we've had, we had really big plays on Saturday. Um, and those are going to be um, key for this weekend. I mean, we need to have big plays to beat a, beat a team like Michigan because Michigan's, I mean, they're really disciplined. They're a really good football team. Really big up front. Um, definitely, definitely moving guys. So um, we're going to have to be really sound in our technique to, to be playing with them. Those guys cause havoc. Uh, they're hard to block. You know, you, you go try to block them outside and they'll beat you inside. Uh, they're tough to protect against. Um, I think their middle linebacker is really good, too. Uh, they're good across the board, but those edge guys are, are the guys that really create problems and plays for them. And I have a lot of respect for Michigan and Big Blue, awesome fan base. Like, I get it, but this is just another game where we get to face off against a really good team. So I'm not really into the hype of we're playing these guys, these guys. Like, this football, I'm looking forward to the game on Saturday. They put out some good numbers. They're a really good unit, fast, physical, uh, and they're going to bring it. You know, I know that's something they pride themselves on, and uh, we're ready for the challenge. You know, Kevin, before we get into to the game on Saturday, I do want to hit a little bit about two, 2018. As a Husker fan, that is probably the toughest game I've been to, been to in a long time since – I don't know, some of the Bill Callahan games as a college student were a little rough. What do you mean by toughest? Just toughest to watch? Toughest to watch. Okay. Yeah, not toughest as in it was a good game. Toughest to watch. Uh, it was just downright embarrassing. And it looked like, I mean, it was pretty clear, you know, when the Nebraska players were standing next to the Michigan Wolverine players, uh, it was varsity and JV. 
Well, it was Scott Frost's first season at Nebraska, too. And so I think that was a moment for fans where there was a realization that Scott's got some work ahead of him. Because, as you mentioned, physically, there was a, a moment of notice that Nebraska is not what Michigan looks like. And so there was some work to be done recruiting-wise and in the strength and conditioning program. Uh, but that game got out of hand pretty quickly. And so it was a tough watch. I see what you're saying there. And even Ben Stilley said that uh, that's some of the most physically, uh, what, what was his exact word? Something about like it's the most physically defeated he's felt right. after a football game in his career, which is now in its fifth season. So, and if that's Ben Stilley saying it, that's something, because he's one tough cookie. And he was talking about how that was the, the first year after he was transitioning from outside linebacker to, to defensive end, and he wasn't bigger, stronger, faster as, as he is now. This year's Michigan Wolverine team, again, undefeated, eighth or ninth in the country, depending on what poll you look at. Listen, scoring offense, 11th in the country. Scoring defense, sixth in the country. This is a team that's going to hit you in the mouth from both sides of the ball. They out Wisconsin, Wisconsin last week. Good defense, strong up front. They run the ball very well. They've got two guys, Hassan Haskins and uh, Blake Corum, that are very effective runners. And, you know, Cade McNamara is not their quarterback. He's not being asked to do too much. He's having a really nice year. He's completing 60% of his passes. That number frankly, should be a little bit higher because he's not taking many downfield shots. It's a lot of just play action, just manage the game. That's what they're doing with McNamara. But he's having a pretty solid season for the Wolverines. And this is the biggest number I want to share with you and our listeners, Bill. Michigan has one giveaway this season. In five games, they only have one turnover. They were the only team in the FBS to play the first four games and not have a turnover. And we know, Scott Frost knows, everybody who follows football knows, the biggest stat in the game of football is turnover margin. And Michigan has not lost it. In fact, the only time that they've given the ball away, it was an interception on Saturday with a backup quarterback. Eddie, how does Nebraska come off of a 56-7 win, take what they learned from the game, but not ride too confidently into Michigan? Well, I think uh, obviously you take the positives from, you know, what happened in Northwestern because there were a lot of positives on the offensive side of the ball. But I think you got to take back, uh, go back to the Michigan State game to kind of see what they need to do here. Uh, again, we talked about their running attack, how good Michigan is at running the football this year. Blake Corum is playing just as good as any running back in the country. And if you were able to, you know, another guy that's at the top there is Michigan State's Kenneth Walker, and they were able to completely shut him down. So if that de if the run defense can come out and, you know, do something similar and make Michigan throw the ball a little more because, you know, when they, like Kevin just said, you know, throwing the ball, you don't have to really do much when your run game is doing that great. And, they, you know, it's very simple. But if you're going to make them start throwing the ball downfield and make Cade McNamara kind of do something that he hasn't had to do most of this year, and you could shut down Blake Quorum like you did Kenneth Walker in that Michigan State game, and the offense plays better than they did in the Michigan State game, and they take that away from the Northwestern game, uh, I think, you know, they stand pretty well. And, again, you're at home, again, under the lights. So I think you ride a little bit of that momentum as well from the Northwestern. Wisconsin – or, uh, excuse me, Michigan's numbers, if you look up and down the board, they're very impressive. You, you think that some teams you're going to be really good offensively or really good defensively or good in special teams, maybe blend a few. 
they're really good at everything. First in the conference in rushing, 255 per game, which is pretty outstanding. Second in the conference in scoring. So offense is really good. Defensively, they have the best pass defense in the Big Ten. They're allowing just 171 yards through the air per game. Scoring defense, they give up just 13 points per game. Their red zone offense, fantastic. Punting the ball, pretty good. Kick return defense, they give up seven yards per return. This is a pretty complete team. It's a top 10 team, undefeated at 5-0. If you're a little skeptical about Michigan, I could, could understand it a little bit. What does their schedule look like? Nebraska has played Oklahoma and Michigan State. Michigan has played Wisconsin. Wisconsin? And Wisconsin, we're learning, isn't... They're 1-3 yeah, right now. Yeah, uh, they played Washington. Oh, Washington got beat by an FCS. You know, like, their wins so far are to Western Michigan, Washington, Northern Illinois, Rutgers, and Wisconsin. And the Rutgers game was close at halftime. So, though the number... Final score was close. It was 20-13. to 13. It, it, Though the, the, the stats are really impressive, and it's good, and this is a good team, and what they believe in, they believe in. And that's running the football, and they're good at it. But what's their body of work really, really look like? So that's where you go off the eyeball test. And I, as the week progresses, we will learn more as we watch more uh, about Michigan and learn more about them and hear from them as well. But that is the one way you could maybe look at their production so far in this season and say, I'm not so sure that this team is as good as some people are making them out to be because the competition level. But you can't fault them for that. The schedule is what it is, and they've won every game on it so far. We heaped some praise at Teddy Prohaska earlier in this podcast. He's going to have a matchup against an NFL defensive end in Aiden Hutchinson, who through their first five games has six TFLs and five and a half sacks. As a true freshman, going up against one of the best defensive linemen in the Big Ten, maybe the country, I mean, it's a tall task. Yeah, no pun intended. But but let's just see what happens. You know, it's it, this isn't a situation in which you flip flop because that that's the last thing the coaching staff could do. Stick with the offensive line that played absolutely Northwestern, the most productive group. Give them another chance. If you need to make an in-game sub, you can make an in-game sub. But I think if you do something ahead of the game, it could really mess with your team mentally. And there are some people that could question uh, your decisions. So just go with it. Give Teddy a chance. Maybe, that, maybe it's his coming out party. Maybe it's the game where everybody says Teddy Prohaska is going to be the next, insert name here, one of the next Nebraska offensive line grades. Eddie, what are your keys to the game? Because, I mean, listen, this is a 5-0 and top 10 team coming into Lincoln to play Nebraska, who's 3-3, three and three, had an up-and-down year. Vegas thinks this one's going to be close. That line right now? I mean, three. three, three and a half. I've seen it at one. That's arguably a pick 'em game on a neutral field. Yeah, it's it's a tough. It's going to be a tough game, and I do think it's going to be one of those games that's going to be one in the trenches, and it's going to be two really good teams right now playing good football, going at it. Keys to the game again. I just think you need to you need to stop you need to stop Blake Corum, and you need to make Michigan throw the football again. And then on the offensive side of the ball. I think you just got to – offensive line needs to give Adrian a little more time, and they need to just relax and manage the game well. I don't think you want – you know, you don't want to have to do anything too crazy. Again, it's turning into a, a game-managed 
game. Don't give Michigan the ball too many times because they're going to want to run the football and they're going to want the ball a lot. So stopping the run and just positive drives on the offensive side of the ball. I don't think you need the crazy plays like you did against Northwestern. Obviously you want them, but you just want to play a good, clean football game is the biggest thing. I think, Kevin, the over-under is about 52. I mean, this looks to be a defensive battle. In terms of college football's over-unders, that's low. Yeah, it is. It is fairly low, and uh, I, I don't know which way to lean on it, Bill. It's hard, to, it's hard to still have a gauge of what Nebraska is. And I hate to say that after such an exciting game on Saturday, but the 56-7 to win over Northwestern does not undo a loss to Illinois. It does not undo a heartbreaker to I, I'll, I'll stop you there. I think the team that played Illinois, I think that is just a fluke. I think it's an anomaly. I think, yeah, it counts in the win-loss Okay, column, how can as, you say that but not say that the Northwestern game's a fluke? That, that's the point that I'm going to make is that the team, based on your eyes, the way they played against Northwestern, they can beat everybody remaining on Nebraska's schedule. They can. That was an amazing game. But they haven't done enough over the last three and a half years to allow you to believe and trust that that is going to be the same team that rolls out onto the field and plays Michigan on Saturday but night. But this is a team that three weeks ago played the number three team in the country to within a touchdown, and two weeks ago should have beat the number 19, now number 11 team in the country, Michigan State, in East Lansing. Yeah, I'm going to stop uh, you right there. How'd those games end? In losses. That's, that's my point, Bill. But you could argue that they have played three, maybe five. You go back to Fordham, Buffalo, Oklahoma, Michigan State, and now Northwestern. You could argue that Nebraska's played five good games. Sure, two of them were losses, but they played five good games against at least two quality opponents. They played six good games, the, the sixth game being Illinois. But I'm, I would say good games with air quotes because I would remove a couple of key plays. A fumble at the end of the half, which was returned for a touchdown, and a boneheaded special teams mistake trying to field a punt inside the one-yard line. If you take those out, different result. They could be 6-0. The rest is, what, five or six plays from being 6-0. But again, the whole asterisk of they were so close. They were so close. At the end of the day, this Nebraska-Michigan game is going to be gauged on a win or a loss. And you can't just say if Oh, that like, no, it's going to be measured in a win or a loss. And as much as last Saturday's performance would lead you to believe Nebraska may win against Michigan, they may win against Minnesota, they may win against Ohio State, it's hard to say that they will do those things because it's still in the program's DNA to make mistakes. I hope that the next couple of weeks when they get to that bye in the middle to late portion of October, that if there's a few wins, again, maybe the, the body of work's a little bit larger and maybe the DNA has changed a little bit and that they've curbed some of those error-prone mistakes. Eddie, Coach Frost talked about three two-game seasons ahead of them. They got two weeks and a bye, two weeks and a bye, two weeks. How do they start the first? Do they start? Do they start the first of their first two-game seasons with a win? Oh, it's so hard. Uh, I know me and Kevin talked about it earlier when we were leaving the press conference today. It's, it really is tough because it's, you know, yeah, the, you know, the win against Northwestern is great, and Michigan hasn't played the toughest schedule. But, it, again, what, what they've showed in these earlier on this season with the mistakes that they have made, if those mistakes, you know, granted, they got out to that. If they, what if they don't get out to that big start that they got against Northwestern? They kind of get punched in the mouth. 
You know, I, I think that's what we have yet to see if if they if Nebraska can really come back and take, you know, go upwards from that punch in the mouth, which a team like Michigan can do. So I want to say yes. Uh, I was positive last week, but I, I I think Michigan I think Michigan does. I think it's a close one. I think Michigan ends up with a W though. Kind of glass half full fan would I be if I didn't pick Nebraska to win <laughs> again? Like Eddie said, I think it's close, but I, I, I still push back on your point that you know who is this Nebraska team? I think this is a team that has played pretty darn good football five games in a row, and if that atmosphere is anything like it was last Saturday, which everything leads us to believe that it will be. And as long as this team doesn't go in overconfident, which I don't think they will, because why should they? Because of, oh yeah, how the first half of the season has started. I just, I think Nebraska's defense is a little too much for Michigan's offense. 34-31 Nebraska. Do they make mistakes? Nebraska? Yeah. Yeah, sure. I think they Can they more- overcome the mistakes? I, and I want to say yes, but over however many games Scott Frost has coached this team, it's hard for me to say yes, they're going to overcome the mistakes because it just hasn't happened routinely. Can they beat Michigan? Without question. Without question. Especially with this defense playing the way that they're doing. I think that it's going to be a low-scoring game. Can the offense come up with some big plays? And can they limit the mistakes? Man, this sounds like such a broke... This is the same movie, <laughs> right? We just went right back to that same scene and we played it all over again. It's... It's really simple. Nebraska needs to be low turnover. They need to limit mistakes. They need to just be above average on special teams. You know, they only punted the ball once on Saturday against North. I Park. love that video. And it was you a followed Pristop the whole time. Yeah. How about like you talk about striking some 84 luck. yards. So I was running the camera at the top of Memorial Stadium on Saturday. And since you brought it up, we'll share a quick story as we're on our way out here. Instead of following the ball, which we tend to do with uh, the camera, just knowing what happened a week ago, I decided to just keep the camera right on Will Pristo. Did you know it was a good boot off the leg and that's why you did it? I, or just- no, I just committed. I was going to follow Will Pristo on the punt. And as I'm just following him run down the field, I hear the crowd roar. I never saw the ball. I'm just watching him. But as the ball it, like comes to a halt, the reaction indicated that something special just happened because he was met by... Nick Henrich, who had, and like, he couldn't let go of, he couldn't let go of Pristup. And then he goes toward the sideline where he is greeted by Garrett Nelson. And he's greeted by Damian Daniels. And like, there are just so many teammates, even Adrian goes over and taps him on the helmet. And that was a moment that was celebrated by the entire team. It was pretty cool. Uh, But back to the point here, that was awesome. Pristup, by the way, and that video has gotten some run nationally especially from the punting community because, you know, those guys play such an important role in the game. And because they play an important role in the game, Nebraska needs to be pretty solid on special teams against Michigan to have a chance to win. He's Kevin Suits. For Eddie Messel, I'm Bill Shimmer. This has been the End Report Podcast. We'll see you next Monday. You've been listening to the End Report Podcast from 1011 Now. And he showed up. 25 pounds overweight to fall camp. And I told him I wasn't going to play him until he got to a certain point. Subscribe and leave a ratings on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you download your podcast. I think we had like 650 total yards. I mean, 
700 yards are just right there. Might as well. You know, uh, For more Husker coverage throughout the week, watch 1011 Now Sports and download the 1011 Now app.